0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So, in the last while, uh, God has been trying to guide and grow and refine me in a certain area. You know what, and I hate being refined alone. So I thought I am going to share that with you guys here so we can do this together as a church and move forward because it sucks being alone and trying to do something alone. And as I was meditating on this, God brought me to a passage of scripture I'm going to share with you. Matthew five fourteen through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Be the light. That's what I'd like to talk to you guys today. And let me repeat this last part again. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I know this is a very famous passage, but I love the imagery of light versus darkness. And again, we are called to be a light in a dark world. But what does this actually mean? Why does God compare us to light and how does this work out? Have you guys ever, you've been in a dark room, I know you've done this before, pitch black, and even the smallest light we turn on, we see the darkness disappear and the room is illuminated. Or, have any of you guys seen then for the next 10 minutes how light fights the darkness back and forth? You ever seen that? No? Well, me neither, but if you have, come see me afterwards, we should talk and pray a little bit together, okay? Because that's not right. But in this too, light illuminates, right? When we turn a light on, I can see where I'm walking so I don't stumble over something or walk into something. Speaking of which, I actually have a story about this in South Africa. I was staying in a friend's house. Uh, I was quite young. And uh, in South Africa, our rooms are typically at nighttime. is quite dark, and you can't see your hand in front of your face. So spending the night there, uh, we had lots of fun in the day. It's the middle of the night, and I need to go to the washroom now. So I woke up, and I started walking. And I had a check in my heart to say, turn the light switch on because it's just on my right-hand side. And the reason for this is because there's a door of a bathroom swings towards the inside of the room. So I'm like, nope, I can do this. I was young, and I just had my hands in front of me, and I'm walking forward to feel where the door is. And as I walk with much haste, all of a sudden, I felt a sharp pain from my whole body going right here because as I was walking like this, the door was right in the middle. So. I had a bloody nose, I laid on the floor in agonizing pain because I didn't turn on my light. But you know what? Isn't this sometimes how we are in our spiritual lives? Sometimes we walk into our spiritual lives with our hands stretched out in front of us, and we think, man, I have good doctrine, I have strong faith, but our lights are turned off. And we're walking through our spiritual lives like this, and we come to a pitfall, or we walk into a door, and now we have a bloody nose, And we start questioning our faith. So we need to shine our lights, church. But how do we do this? And I'm going to give you a hint. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 13. All um, and if I have prophetic powers and understanding all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith, think about that. This is not just some faith. This is God saying, "I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing." One of the many ways we can shine God's light is by showing love. And I know some of you might have some internal eye rolls now, like, yeah, I know that's the Sunday school answer. Of course it is love. But I would like you to hear me out this morning, because I believe this is a weapon we can use against the enemy, and it's a powerful weapon he has few responses to. But you know what? We're going to continue to look at this this morning, but we're going to look at this light we're shining can become a laser. And there's many ways of turning this into a weapon, but we're going to look in two specific ways, and we're going to put two lenses in front of this light to turn it into a laser. So the first one I just talked about and gave you a hint, but let's look at John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So. How do people exactly know that we love one another? Is it T-shirts we put on? Is it big signs we hold up? Is it the Jesus sticker on my car? Or is it this building we come and gather in? You know what? Those are not bad things, but that's not how this dark world sees that we are the light. This dark world sees that we are the light and that we love one another because of a unique love we show one another in this building and in this community. When we meet people, it is a love that they do not know or understand. And I totally recognize we can have a hundred-part series just talking about that. But like I said, I want to bring another lens into this. So if we shine God's light, we have the love as the first lens, but I want to focus this love down to one more thing. So let me take you to Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. And Colossians three twelve says, "Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience." And you know what? There are many, many, many more verses we can look at. But church, we need to practice in clothing compassion and belonging. And now you're going to say, "Wait, wait, wait! Where does belonging come from?" You just talked about compassion here. Well, let me explain this to you and let me explain what compassion and belonging actually means. Compassion simply means suffering well together. It's when somebody goes through a tough time, we can go sit there with them. And you know what? We can suffer through them in that pain and not just try to make it better. Okay? It is sitting with them in their dark places and saying they are not alone. Because in these moments, we become a conduit for Christ's love and Christ's light in their lives. Compassion is often the fuel source that motivates us into action. And when we take this action, that's belonging. Belonging simply means it's love and action. Because belonging makes us feel seen, heard, understood, valuable, and at home. So this now is the weapon we can use against the enemy. And some of you might still go, I am not following. How can this be a weapon we can use? Well. There's a very famous testimony, and I'm not going to share it here, but I think many of you have heard it before, but a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. And she wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And if you've not listened to this or heard it before yet, I would highly encourage you to listen to the story or read the book. But it talks about her, how her life was transformed by the hospitality of a pastor couple that saw the light and shone their light into uh, her life. But it's an amazing, incredible story. I want to actually share with you today my story and a small piece of my testimony about how God uh, worked in my life through that. So back in 2000, uh, I was about 17 years old, and uh, me and my family just moved to the United States. We're supposed to end up in Kansas, but we end up in Minnesota, which was odd, but you know, things happen. So we're in Minnesota. I'm in my senior year of high school. And I started feeling ill. And during this time, uh, I went to see a doctor. And they said, man, you don't look good. And I'm like, well, don't feel so good either. So it's during this time, they took us to this hospital called the Mayo Clinic, uh, which was half an hour from where we lived. And uh, going to the Mayo Clinic, um, the doctors there uh, diagnosed me with terminal Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was in stage four. And um, at this stage, just so you know, I thought I was a strong Christian. I read my Bible, I prayed, and even getting the diagnosis, it was horrible. But I had faith that God is going to heal me and do a work in my life. And the doctors were not so optimistic. Uh, The doctor of the Mayo Clinic who was seeing me said, at best, we're going to give you a 12% chance of living, which they didn't tell me, they told my parents. And, uh, but in, during this time as well, the only reason they treated me is because I was a minor. And if I was one year older, they would not treat me and just simply sent me home. But long story short, um, and just so you guys know, spoiler alert, I made it. <laughs> okay, I didn't die, I'm here, okay? So it was... It was a quite the journey, but after the basically couple of month journey of going through cancer, God did heal me. The doctor even said, you should not be recovering this quickly from what happened to you. But Jesus came and healed my body. And you know what? Church, that's when I walked away from Jesus. And you guys might go, what? Isn't this an amazing testimony? It is. But I walked away from Jesus and I'll tell you why I did. While I was in the Mayo Clinic and while I was recovering from cancer and going through the journey, we were part of a small church. And did you know during that whole time I went through this, how many congregants do you think came and saw me? This many. It's a zero, by the way, if you can't see. The pastor came one time to the Mayo Clinic to see me. And I don't blame him for this because when he walked in, they stuck a needle this long into my side to drain some fluid out of my lungs. So he walked in as they stuck me and I screamed. So he didn't pray much. He kind of left. <laughs> but nothing came of that. But you, you know church, what did happen? I was my senior year of high school and there was a kid there I befriended just before I got sick. And he was clearly not a Christian. He was very atheist and very proud of it, against religion. And he came and saw me at my home. He came there one night. He brought a four-by-four-foot sheet of plywood he cut up. And he brought uh, small little figures that he painted. And he set up all in front of me. I couldn't sit up. And he set up a board. He took a rule book out, and he read to me until I fell asleep. And he brought other people to see me as well. And he showed me a compassion and belonging that I desperately needed, and I wasn't getting from the church and the Christian people I thought I was supposed to get it from. So, as a kid, that was kind of devastating, actually. And to see, where are the Christians? Where are these people that show their love and would be known for our love? They were nowhere to be found. But the atheist kid came and did that for me. So. I'm going to fast forward because the next four years wasn't good. I lived for myself. I hung out with these kids. Did I try church again? Yeah, I did. But my heart wasn't in it because I knew they didn't love me. I knew they didn't care because I was uncomfortable and I was dying. And they didn't know what to say in front of me, right? So for the next four years, I lived the way I wanted to live. But then we immigrated to Canada. And coming to Canada, I knew there was a big risk if we crossed the border into Canada because we're supposed to end up in the brokery. And I knew there was a chance they can turn us away. So this is the first time in four years where I actually prayed. And it was an earnest prayer, if I'm honest. And I said, Lord, if you let us through, I will give you one more chance to my soul. How arrogant. But you know what? God is a good God, and we made it through. And as we we're driving to the brokery, I looked on the map, and I'm like, okay, I'll keep up my part of the bargain. And I look for churches. And I realized if we hit Mitchell, I should start looking. And Mitchell didn't see anything. And the next town we hit was Steenbach, I think is how you pronounce it. And we hit it, and guess what I saw? I saw this building. I'm like, okay, there's the church. Right Sunday, I'll go take a look. So that Sunday, I walked into this building, and I didn't look like this. I wore anime shirts. I had green or purple hair and a black leather trench coat. And I walked in, and this usher named Andy saw me. Big smile on his face, came and greeted me. How can we help? And I said, I'm looking for a church. And he says, let me get somebody. And he went and got somebody I thought who worked on properties, because he came, and he had a washcloth or a rag in his hand. And as he approached me, we, sat, we started talking. And I asked him questions about the church and what they believe. And he introduced himself as Ray Dirksen. And I asked him about their lead pastor. And he simply looked at me and smiled and says, he's an okay guy. (laughs) So that weekend, that next weekend I was in for a surprise seeing him preach up front. But you know what church? I experienced something here. I've never experienced in my life of such great magnitude. I'm going to go back to Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, will you allow me to give glory to God here just for a moment? For you see, when compassion and belonging I experienced here, I mean, experienced through the high school friends in the States was like a wave hitting me, and I needed that. If I compare that same compassion and belonging here this was a tsunami that hit me and completely overwhelmed me. Because, you see, I got connected to a cell that met on Monday nights. And in this cell, I was new. And there was another new guy there. And he was a recovering drug dealer named Stefan. And Stefan did not hesitate to invite me into his home. And he even made me breakfast that same week. It was a mechanic I met where I took my car to get safetyed. His name was Vashon. And he didn't only fix my car, but he helped me connect to his church. It was two guys I met later on in Grunfall who lived in an apartment. One was a university student named Chris, and another one, a trust designer named Joel, who through many acts of kindness and for creating belonging with me, and you know what? These men illuminated my path today I can walk on. Because we volunteer together, we serve together, And through this, they were conduits for God's light into my life. And I, this was a weapon I could not deny. This is a love I could not deny that only came from Jesus. So, can I point back and say there was one moment where my life just changed? No. Except if many of you know me back then, there was one day when I walked in with no anime shirts and no trench coat because my wife took me shopping which was not my girlfriend at the time. So yes, I had one moment of physical change, but my heart took years to change. It was years of these men pouring into me and me pouring into them. It's them illuminating my path and shining God's light. And you know what? That is how step by step, God started changing and impacting my life. Compassion and belonging has a way of perpetrating innermost being. And eventually, we come to a point and say, why? Why love me? I am broken. I am not enough. But when we suffer together with somebody else, we are that conduit for him. And you know what, church? We have an opportunity in this building to do that. And yes, let's be honest. It's just a building. But this building provides a place for us where people gather together. So we need to be shining our lights, church, so that people walking in here can feel Christ's manifest love through compassion and belonging. We should make sure when people walk through those doors there that nobody feels alone or, more importantly, never seen. But they should be able to experience that. Let me first say this, too. Some of you might say, Man, I come to this church and I feel alone. I'm sorry. Sometimes we get lost in all the busyness and the things happening here. But I want to encourage you, like I did walking into this building, I had to reach out. I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody here. And if it's tough and you don't know how to do it, come talk to me afterwards. I don't bite, and I will gladly, gladly help you. So very quickly, what can cause us to stop being the light? Well, there's many things, but I think one big thing that stops us from shining Jesus' light or becoming strangely dim is selfishness. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Selfishness will blind us to opportunities around us, and sometimes we get caught up on our own things, and we do not see how we can help others, or see how we can love others and shine God's light. And you know what, Church? One way we've been kind of doing this in is boundaries. I love boundaries. I have boundaries in my life. But sometimes we set boundaries because it's awkward or it's uncomfortable, and I want to protect myself. And we set the boundary in such a way where it prohibits us from shining God's light or compassionately loving those people around us. So that's something that we sometimes have to just reevaluate and see where we are. So what can we do to become conduits for God's life? Well, first off, and this is something, again, we all know, but just because we know it, I want to keep mentioning it here. We do not neglect our foundation of walking in a relationship with Jesus. Number one, spending time in God's word. Psalm 119:105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word illuminates the path we can walk on today. And then second off, we have to use word and prayer, right? So pray for God to soften our hearts. Ezekiel 36:26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. But you know what, sometimes we're praying these prayers, Lord, give me a soft heart, but it's just not happening. I'm not getting that breakthrough. And we pray and pray and pray, Lord, why is this not happening? So from experience for me, something that withheld me from showing that compassion is in First John 2, 9. Whoever says he is the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And I know that's kind of harsh But I hate somebody, but it's Unforgiveness. There's a person I just kind of, I see them in the grocery store, I kind of avoid them because it's awkward or I have something against them. This is a good place for us to start and say, Lord, I forgive those around me. And that way our heart will start softening as well. But that's the foundational work. Those are things we do in our Christian walk all the time. The second thing we can do is start taking small steps. Church, we just need to take small steps at this, and this starts at home home is the most important place we can start doing this and you know what we sometimes neglect the people at our home because they have to love us right or they're stuck with me and then we stop creating belonging there we need to create belonging and sometimes we do this with strangers and close friends so well at the expense of the ones we love at home so if you are married i want to speak to you real quick be the light we are called into mutual submission in marriage and not only because we made these vows before God and our loved ones till the day we die, but when your spouse is grumpy, show compassion. Instead of reading minds or jumping to conclusions, instead be quick to listen and slow to speak. One of my favorite, favorite passages on marriage, and it's not about marriage, but I love this verse, is Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. How often do we do this in marriage? We don't care what our spouse thinks. We only care what's in my heart and for me to express that. So yet again, this is another way we can do this. Instead of trying to fix them, this is a way we can listen to them and try to understand. I'm going to actually, I want to encourage you. No, I actually want to dare you with something if you're brave enough to try this. And this is something I'm practicing at home. I want to encourage you and dare you to try and advocate for your spouse against yourself. Let me repeat myself. When you come into an argument, advocate, defend your spouse against yourself, and you'll see how quickly your own defenses and arguments crumble when you start poking holes in your own defense. This is really difficult, and the only way this works is with the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit leading us forward. But again, looking in Philippians 2. Count others more significant than yourselves. Parents, let me quickly talk to you. We had all these wonderful kids up front here and they're in the back there. We have to remember to be the light for the kids in our lives. When they're sitting alone, go talk to them. When they come back from school and you ask them, hey, how are you doing? How was your day at school? Okay, it was good. You are not off the hook. Sometimes they say good, we go inside our hearts, oh good, I don't have to say anything now. No, no, no. When they say good or okay, what do you mean with that? Tell me what happened today in the playground. Did you talk to people? What happened there? We need to intentionally pursue our kids and to see what's going on. And there's a broad range we can go in this. Remember that ancient African proverb I told you guys about last time I was up here? Monkey see, monkey do. So in this... When we start shining God's light as parents for our kids, they will start doing the same. But here's the scary thing. If we don't shine our lights, they're not going to shine theirs. So parents, we have to take responsibility in teaching and equipping, being the disciples in our kids' lives. And again, you are not alone. We try here on the weekends to help you with that, and we will equip them as well. But you are the primary disciples to help your kids doing this. So our homes and church is two safe places where we can do this. And you know what? We should not be judgy Christians, right? Sometimes we see people trying something here and we're like, oh, that's awkward. Instead, let's encourage them and let's pray with them and let's help them. Because once we start practicing this, we will see so many more people making better decisions than this. But you know what, church? I have good news. Did you know we have a training camp here at church? to help train you and equip you how to create better belonging and compassion? Did you know that? And you know what the best part is? It's free. You can come join here whenever you want. So it's Kids Church. If you want, oh, there's a slide yet, look at that. Um, Kids Church is an amazing opportunity where you can see kids and you can practice with them. And you know what? Kids are incredible. They're experts at creating belonging. They're actually experts when somebody's having a bad day just to come and sit with you. You can learn so much. So if you want an accelerated course in creating belonging, I would highly encourage you to join us, and you can just email Vanessa to do that. So this last week, um, I was sharing uh, a little bit about my message with my family uh, team just so they can pray for me. And um, as I was sharing, one of them texted me that evening because God spoke to them about compassion in their devotions that morning. I'm going to read to you the passage they sent me. Matthew 14, 13 through 19. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came and said, this is a remote place, and already it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We here only have five loaves and bread and two fish. He answered, Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and then gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Church, sometimes we are like the disciples where we see a need and we say no lord send them away this is not our fault that they didn't bring food they followed you this is on them look lord even this young boy here brought food and he's a boy the adult should have remembered to do this send them away and that's how we logically think through things right but you know what that's not how jesus thinks. And that's the kind of light we need to shine. And I'll show you a few more examples. And this is just in Matthew. There are so many more examples of this. Matthew 20, 34. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Matthew nine thirty six. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed, and they were dispersed like sheep without a shepherd. Church, we need to be the light, as Jesus is the light in the world. But how will we respond? Will we be like the disciples and say, send them away, Lord, this is not my problem, and we can justify it for ourselves? The question we should be asking ourselves is, do I have a compassion, and am I willing to create belonging with them? Do I show Christ's love towards them? Am, am I the light in the dark places? And you know what, sometimes we see a family and they are struggling, they have a tough time keeping up with their kids and all what's going on there, and we become, again, like the judgy Christians. We look at them and, oh, they should be doing this better, or they should have changed this. Let me encourage you by trying something else. Call them. Can we bring you a freezer meal? Call them. Invite yourself over. Can I do dishes? Can I do your laundry? Can I vacuum your floors? Be the light. And when we start being the light in families like this who need it, you know what? It will encourage them to be the light one day as well. So let us not ignore this and look aside and say, not my problem. Because you know what, church? It actually is. And we are here as family. Begin. how do we shine God's light? So this morning, uh, oh sorry, um, I lost my uh, my for One thing I've been doing in my life to try and remember this, because again, like I told you before, God is refining me in this. So every time I go to a grocery store, I will tell myself, be the light, be the light, be the light, be the light. Does that mean I know exactly what to do? No. But you know what it does? It brings me to a place and a posture before the Holy Spirit where I can say, Lord, use me. I have it in my mind that I can say, I will be the light, so Lord, please use me now. And one way God's been convicting me, and this is silly, but I use checkouts with humans now instead of machines, right? And I go there and I can be the light for just a minute. Just be a smile, just give them an encouraging word and leave, be the light. So church, I don't wanna just leave you hanging here. Let's practice this together. So I'm gonna ask you to do something and I would like you to, to respond to this. So I'm gonna give you an example like when I drive down the road and somebody cuts me off intentionally, how do we respond? Be the light, right? So, you guys think you can say that? I'm gonna say a couple of things and then you say back at me, Be the light. Is that okay? Yes? Okay, good. So, here we go. Church, when somebody treats us unfairly, how do we respond? Be Be the light. Church, when we know someone's going through a difficult time, how do we respond? Be the light. Church, If somebody is sitting alone in the cafe out there, how do we respond? Church, if someone has a different opinion than you and they are very adamant, how do we respond? Be the light. light. And, church, with a world and society coming against us and it's harder and harder to become a Christian or stay a Christian, how do we respond? Be Be the light. You got it. That is amazing. And by something as simple as that, we can start practicing day by day, small steps of how we can be a conduit for God's light and to somebody else. And you know what? Sometimes a conduit needs readjusting or needs a little bit of cleaning, right? And that's OK. But again, I want to encourage you with this. Take small steps. It takes showing compassion and belonging. It takes showing us loving, showing love and showing our lights wherever we go. Again, this passage we started with, John 13 a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another." This is how we can show the world that we are his disciples, by being the light, by suffering well together with one another and making sure that everybody is seen, heard, valued, and they feel at home. So continuing on with this, Uh, One of our church-wide prayer requests here at the church, our first one is the great command. Love God, love people. And I want to give you another opportunity here today, church, where we can pray into this. How can we love God? How can we love people around us even more? How can we be that light? So, and it says on there, hospitality, generosity, serving, and empathy. So I would like to lead you now in listening prayer and give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak into you and show you, is there somebody in my life right now where I can be the light. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for this charge you've given us to be the light and the world would recognize that we are different because of that. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us right now? Is there a person, is there a family, is there an action you want me to take where I can be the light into this dark world? Thank you for speaking to us now the Jesus.